Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. How many of you want him to be glorified in your life? How many of you want him to be your all in all? Some of you may be even struggling with him being glorified, but you can press your way through all your frustrations and everything within you that wants to get in the way of him glorified. And you can just press your way through. You can just press your way through. You can just press your way through. That's why you say, fill my life. Fill my life till all they see is you, Lord. Glorify your name. Yeah. Filling, having your life filled. And one day, that, that's the wrestle of being here, is the fight to be filled with him. But one day, you won't have to wrestle with being filled with him anymore because he'll fill everything in the universe. He'll be through all and in all and for all. And we're thankful for the ability to be um, taken up into pressing our way to being committed to being filled with the fullness of our God. Let's stand to our feet as we get into the scriptures today. Before we dig in, don't forget our members meeting this Wednesday as we talk about some great things that are coming down the pike. Um, Today's going to be teachy. Somebody say teachy. Y'all can do better than that. Somebody say teachy. teachy. Yeah, it's going to be teachy today. So I want you to take notes. I want you to be educated in your faith. It, we'll, we'll have some amen and shoutable moments, but I, I, I really am committed in pastoring um, God's people that you would become knowledgeable of your faith and that you would know what to do, not just know the what but the how so we're digging into a short portion of scripture today but it is weighty in 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 uh, anyway um ephesians 14 i mean ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 the b part of the verse you can read this together on three one two three go amen that's it today that's all we're dealing with today. And we're gonna talk about today the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Let's go before God. Lord God, we wanna be found in you. And we wanna be found faithful. Help us to put our war clothes on. And um, we need that power and strength to be focused on what it means and what it looks like to really live a day-to-day -day life that is reflective of us taking every single moment of our life seriously in light of your return. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree that's it? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The breastplate of righteousness. Um, 
since it's Black History Month, we'll talk a little bit about it. But it's it's um, it, it's 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 very interesting um, that um, this year, of course, marks um, 400 years since the first slaves um, hit the shores of this country. Although they were they already hit the Caribbean and Europe, they um, hit this country. And one of the things um, since emancipation. I would say that um, those who are called African-Americans wrestle through is who they are. Um, who they are from a natural standpoint. And so um, the, the place, the, the church is supposed to be a place where not people wrestle with who they are, but know who they are. Um, and in light of that, the, the, some of that um, in the natural realm, blacks, we've wondered if we're Moors, you know, um, some of y'all may not even know what I'm talking about. Some, some other ones, you, you wonder where we were of the tribe of Sabaj, Sabaz, rather, uh, whether we were Aboriginal Indians <laughs> or, 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 or whether or not we were Hebrew Israelites, the original Jewish people. And so right now, uh, we're wondering uh, who we are. And then some folks, we're Egyptians and, you know, now that we're wearing unks and everything, trying to find identity natural identity. And as important as natural identity is, um, you should be rooted enough in your spiritual identity for your natural identity's confusion not to get in the way of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and in, other words, in other words, in the church and in the reality of being a believer, um, as important as anyone finding out what their natural ethnic heritage is, um, you, can, you can die not knowing your ethnic heritage and be eternally all right. Okay? Now, I'm not demeaning ethnic heritage, but you can die not knowing that and be all right. However, you can't die not knowing your spiritual heritage and be all right. In other words... Uh, um, um, as important as the natural is and as important as even the gospel influences and helps shape all of our culture and all of who we are and our identity, um, we must be very, very clear on who we are because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. If, if you don't get that and you don't get the richness and robustness and might of what it means to be a believer and live in this present age, you're in trouble. You can put that up if you got it. And one of the things that we look at is we live uh, in two ages. At first, there was just the present age. But then something happened where someone came down and broke into this age. And as they broke into this age and a cross came, the, uh, those who trusted in him were able to experience uh, him in this age. And even though he's ascended, talking about Jesus Christ, <clears throat> he inaugurated a brand spanking new age, yet the present age still exists. And, and the believer's challenge is to be that little red dot in the middle. Is we live within the pressure of the present age 
and the coming age, yet although we live in the present age, we live in light of the eternal age because it's already here but not fully revealed, but we walk as those who reveal an age that hasn't, has been concealed to everybody else because everybody else lives in the present age. We're physically in the present age, but spiritually we're in another age. So while in this present age, we have to operate like another age, even though we're knowledgeable of this age. You have to, you have to. And there's going to be a time where this present age is going to end. And those who have trusted Christ have their age extended. And we go into what's called the eternal age or the age of the kingdom. <clears throat> However, in that reality, we must as believers war. Somebody say war. war. We fight a war. And that takes us back to our definition through this series of spiritual warfare. When we look at that, we see the disciple using supernatural weapons for an unseen fight. You, you have to understand that you can't cuss your way through your child. You can't drink your way through your trial. You can't, you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't complain your way through. Those are, not, those are weapons that actually work against the kingdom, not with the kingdom. And, and, and so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. And so as we look at the reality of us fighting as supernatural weapons in an unseen fight, we have to be equipped. Somebody say equipped. We as believers have to recognize that we must be equipped to properly use our eternal weapons in an eternal fight. Don't check out on me yet. We still, we got a lot to move through. The act of the blood-soaked disciple being woke to the constant resistance of the kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of God. <clears throat> His constant resistance. That means that you can't take a vacation from fighting. When you became a believer, you are no longer a civilian. Everybody else is a spiritual civilian. Even those who got, who got crystals and they do new thought theology and they go on your young, young renge and all of that. They, they can do all of that, but they are still spiritually asleep and they're not in the constant resistance that we experience. In other words, the enemy doesn't attack those, listen, who aren't smeared with the presence of God. If, if you're not smeared with the presence of God by faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a target of the enemy, you are a child of the enemy. But when you become smeared with the presence of God, you become a target and therefore, you live in the constant resistance of the kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of God. But here we go. And fighting with all supernatural resources. Got to have all that's for you. That means when we go back to looking at in the text, we're told us to put on the full armor of God. We want all our resources. How many of you want everything God has for you to fight? How many want to learn how to use all your tools? So there, there we go. And so it's provided by God through our union with Jesus as we fight from victory to advance. That means you go into the battle knowing you already won, but you still got to fight. So that means you are promised victory. Therefore, that should give you courage because somebody gave you victory and that person is Jesus Christ. Well, as we look at this reality, this is in the context when it says put on, put on, you don't have to, you don't have to um, um, put that slide up yet, but when it talks about putting on uh, the breastplate of righteousness, um, that idea 
is very significant for us because putting on the full armor of God is the way in which you stand firm. You, you, you don't stand firm by talking to yourself, okay? You don't stand firm by naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, grabbing it, and calling it and hauling it. You, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you, you don't, you don't have uh, Jesus-less rebukes towards the devil don't work. So when we look at the, the, the whole, somebody just got that like five minutes later. And, 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 so, and so, so that reality must be from a real reality. That's why when we think of spiritual warfare, we have to stop thinking about the spectacular. What do I mean by that? Most spiritual warfare does not happen because somebody's foaming at the mouth. That's minority spiritual warfare. Most spiritual warfare doesn't happen because you wake up and you can't move. And you think something's on you and you say, can't talk and you say, whisper Jesus and then run away. Like, that doesn't happen every night. But what happens every day and every night is there is a covert attack on the entirety of your ability to glorify God by causing you to walk in unrighteousness, by causing you to walk in sin, by causing you to lose your mind, by causing you to let your trials get to you. Those are the real everyday, moment by moment, minute things It's actually spiritual warfare because most of us think, I'll put on my armor when something really bad happens. No, the Bible says you put on, you, 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 you don't wait to the evil day. To put on your armor, you, you assume that every day is going to be evil. Because the sun can be out and the weather can be right, your car can be working and your bills be paid, and it can be an evil day. And so when we, when we look at this whole frame, if you will, we have to be careful of acting like Spiritual warfare is only when I see a demon running down the hallway or a shadow or I go over my grandmother's house and it's haunted. Like, that's what we think of spiritual warfare as. But again, that's minority warfare. One point, one point only. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness, number one, knowing who you are is a major weapon in spiritual warfare. Knowing who you are is a major weapon and spiritual warfare. As we go through this breastplate of righteousness, it's about your identity that's being attacked. Because of the location of the breastplate is where your identity functionally lies. We'll talk about that in a second, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move, we gotta, we got some ground to move on. So here put on isn't in the CSB, Translated, it's actually inferred through the latter part of the verse, but the whole idea of putting on goes back to the earlier part of Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, where it tells us to put off the old self, put on the new self. The assumption is, is that when you put on the new self, you're automatically putting on armor. Because the new person that God has created you to be in the spirit is a brand spanking new person that actually has battle regalia on. And so that means in order to put on, you got to put off some stuff first. Because you can't put on armor, you can't put on godly armor on top of unrighteous mess. <laughs> in other words, you got to get rid of some stuff in your practical life that helps you to functionally fight well as a believer and will show where that comes from, how you're empowered to do it, what the weapon is, and how you use it. 
Okay, y'all still with me today, right? Okay, are y'all being helped so far? I'm just trying to understand. All right, y'all out there. So here we go, put on. Somebody say put on. Put on is interesting because it has a baptismal connection. The, the, the idea of putting on is usually used in the context and quotes back to chapter 4. Now, the idea here has to do with being fully immersed in something. So whatever you're putting on, when he says here, put on, you're fully immersed in it like a baptism. That, that, mean, that means you, 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 you fully and deeply plunged into that particular thing. Um, I'm one of them people, I don't know if there's any, anybody out there like this, is that whatever you're into, you're really into it. Yeah, you, you know somebody like that. When they're when they into something, when they're into it, they know everything. They, you know, they, they, they tell you stuff about it that you don't want to know because of how into it they are. Well, that's how you're supposed to be as a believer. You're supposed to be so into the things of God that you get on people's nerves because of how into it you are. Okay? And so when we talk about, when we talk about putting on, if you will, we're supposed to be immersed in the things of God. There is, like when someone calls someone hyper-spiritual, to me, hyper-spirituality comes from a person who acts like reality doesn't exist, but they try to live in an alternative reality while living in reality. But true hyper-biblical spirituality is really being immersed in the things of God where you see everything in your life through the lens of the Spirit of God. And so as we go through this idea of this, remember this is in, a, it's, 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 it's in the language in a way where putting on is something that should have been done in the past, at a particular time, but it's a middle meaning you do it for yourself. That means that nobody can put your armor on for you. You have to remember that. You can say, help me now. Help me put on my armor. No. You got to Christian up. Like we say man up and woman up. You should look at somebody and say Christian up. Christian up means that you need to begin as a believer taking responsibility to be a disciple. You can't keep blaming people in the church for you not being a disciple. Oh, help me today. Ain't nobody discipling me. Ain't nobody after me. No, 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 no. You're supposed to pursue the things of God. It's not about everybody pursuing you all the time. As a matter of fact, because you should, that's why, that's why dudes would say to Jesus and try to follow Jesus, and he'd be cool with it unless he told him to roll out and do something else. But for the most part, there should be a pursuit in you. A baby, you don't have to, t you don't have to tell a baby they need to eat. That joker get to hollering at you. And when that baby get to hollering at you, you try to figure out what's going on, and as soon as you put the bottle in their mouth, they shut up, don't they? Guess what? That's what we supposed to be like. You supposed to holler in pursuit of the eternal meals that God has for you so that you can grow and be who God wants you to be as you put on and put off at the same time. So when we look at this idea of righteousness, and Talking about being immersed in it, this is a major key. Put that major key up there. So what is righteousness? This refers to both knowing, when it says put on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing and appropriating the truth of one's new identity in Christ and developing the practice of speaking and living the truth. Let me say this again. This refers to both knowing and appropriating the truth of one's new identity in Christ and developing the practice of speaking, the, uh, speaking and living the truth. So when we look at righteousness, righteousness is our new identity. 
Your new identity has brand spanking new operations. It's a new operator's manual, and it's a new operating system. That means when you become a believer, that means that you should be expecting your life to actually change. And, 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 and so in putting on this breastplate and defining righteousness, because it's as a breastplate, we'll talk about why it says that. And so when we look at this, we look at the fact that this can be connected to Roman armor, but it's connected fully and immersed, listen, in what it means for believers uh, to reflect Christ having had put on his armor as the ultimate armor person in the Bible. Isaiah 59, 17. Isaiah 59, 17, he says, he put on righteousness as body armor. I like that. Uh, that that's, that's the Jesus we serve. The one who died and resurrected and got spoils from his death and resurrection. And one of those spoils is warrior armor. And we put, and he put on righteousness um, as body armor because he wants righteousness to be a gleaming center of his life and for it to be a gleaming center of our life. Now, when we talk about this idea of righteousness, it has several designations and we got some ground to cover. Y'all tracking with me still? So it, it, first, it, it points to how to relate to others, how you make decisions, we'll come back to this, and how you relate to God. Let me say that again. How you relate to others, in other words, how you act with people. That, break it down. Real Righteousness is, is not just, we'll talk about how you get it, the imputation of righteousness in Christ, but these are some functional things based on the Old Testament. How you make decisions and how you relate to God. The key thing about righteousness is given these identifiers, none of us are able to do this well. Let me explain something to you. You don't relate to people well. You don't make good decisions. And we don't relate to God well. So somebody had to help us get that right. Now, there is one who relates to people well, relates to God well, and makes good decisions, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, he's given us this by his might and by his power. So we look at the New Testament, and we go through and we look at righteousness. It's a state that God places us in at salvation. Romans 1 17 says it beautifully. It says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith, imputed at salvation. Three things. Now check this out. Check with me. In essence, righteousness is moral purity and identity that comes from being set aside as holy by faith in Jesus Christ. So when we look at righteousness, righteousness as a breastplate isn't just you putting some particular things on. It's actually understand the essence of righteousness is the purity and identity that comes from being set aside as holy by faith in Jesus Christ. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is important. This is very, very important for believers. So we got to upgrade. Somebody say upgrade. We got to upgrade from, from, from just preaching on Sundays to some teaching sometimes because the reason why so many are walking away from the faith is they want to be inspired by their, by their faith, but they don't want to understand their faith. 
And so if you want to transition and you want to level up, you got to learn how to take out a pen sometimes or your phone and take a note so that you can be able to not just shout and feel better for a week till you get your next recharge the next Sunday, but you have to be a person that says, I want to get this so I can get into it for myself in a day-to-day level. So I just wanted to say that for those, for, 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 for us as we're looking. So when we look at this in a beautiful, beautiful way, it talks about in Romans how sin came through Adam and now we're imputed with righteousness through Jesus Christ. You can't put on righteousness if it hasn't been given to you by Jesus. What is imputed means? It means he switched places for you. On the cross when he died, he got your sin, you got his righteousness. He got God's wrath, you got his righteousness. God, God is a beast. So what happens is, is God had a contract out on your crazy self. Now God was like the dudes up in minister society, load his clips in the backseat of his car with bullets with your names on it. So he's putting them clips together because a contract's been put out on your life. He's coming after you and about to do a drive-by on you. Jesus Christ knows that God the Father is about to drive by on you while you're standing outside hanging with your friends. Jesus Christ sees the bullets coming. He dives in front of the bullets and he takes the hit, but the shooter is happy because he released and got to shoot. So he's like, I'm good. I shot somebody. I'm good. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus got shot in your place. Now, because of that, you're imputed with his righteousness, and now God's cool with you because he took the blame for you. Now, righteousness is about us being in good standing with the Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that we have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. The core of righteousness is this family, is that you have been declared righteous. Whenever somebody gets saved, someone yells righteous. Why? Because you were not righteous, but declaring somebody righteous means publicly announcing that this, this, this publicly no beef. That's why you see rappers when they crush the beef, they get online, shake hands and smile because they want to publicly let them know and all of their people on their teams know we good now. That's what God does. God takes an eternal selfie with you by shaking your hand in front of his, his peoples to let them know don't, don't get at them no more because we good now. You don't have to put them on blast no more because I'm not putting them on blast no more. That's very, very important. But now, we meet God's standard by faith in Jesus Christ. This is very, very, very important. The Bible talks about he made him a new no sin, become sin on our behalf. So, you know, I used to like to buy, you know, sometimes I still do it, from um, TJ Maxx and Ross and Burlington Co-Factory, because you can get name brands for less. You know, so I like to go there and get some name brands for less and you know, but, but one day I went to King of Prussia Mall. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I saw something in one of the nice stores that was at like, at like Burlington. So I said, how this cost this at the nice store? But then I go over to Burlington Co-Factory, it's the same thing, but it don't cost like this cost. And what I found out is that at Burlington Co-Factory, you get stuff with a manufacturer's defect with the name on it, but it's not up to standard. 
and it doesn't hold up as well as the stuff that's at the regular store. So I ended up saying, let me test this hypothesis. So I went and got me the little nice nice. You know, I can't do that often, but got a little nice nice. Hallelujah. Not in the section by the food court Gucci and all that. Don't even think. I ain't got a Gucci thing. Amen. You know, I ain't got a Gucci. I ain't got none of it. Good Lord in the morning. 500 for some shoes. But anyway, I ain't ain't hating on you. If you got it, I ain't judging. Um, But y'all know y'all wouldn't come to this church no more if I had some Gucci shoes on. Y'all know y'all wouldn't. But anyway, see, 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 I told you. But that thing held up in a way that the stuff I was buying, because I kept going through clothes. It was cheaper, but I kept going through stuff because it wouldn't last. But when I bought it from the manufacturer certified place where it was properly went through its testing and everything, it held up really, really well. That's the way God's righteousness in Christ is by him meeting us, his, his standard. God meets God's manufacturing standards, Jesus Christ meets those standards. We don't have a knockoff righteousness. We actually, we don't have manufactured defect righteousness. We have certified gray A eternal righteousness because of what Christ has done on the cross for you. So if you have that kind of righteousness, why would you settle for less? Why why would you settle for less? And I'm going to show you how the devil tries to get you to settle for less. Jump down to that slide on on, on the devil seeks to attack our righteousness in Jesus. Jump down to that one for me. Yeah. These are some of the things the devil seeks to do. Then we're going to go back up. (coughs) The devil, he seeks to do this. He seeks to see you define righteousness from other sources than Jesus Christ. He loves to get you to define your righteousness. You, whenever you define your righteousness by something else, you take off the breastplate of righteousness. You put on the breastplate of righteousness by recognizing that your righteousness comes from Christ. Now, that's, that's why, but the problem is, and this is, very un, this is very important, I'm thinking about doing a series on the relationship between the law and the gospel. Because the reason why is Hebrew Israelites are getting African-Americans because Christians don't teach how the law applies to Christians well. Yes. Yes. So, so, so what happens is when they say, are you keeping the laws and commandments of God? And you're looking like, um, I'm under grace. They say, read. He said, say it. And he's saying all that. <laughs> Go ahead. And he's doing all of that and reading. And then you don't have a verse. All you said, I don't know. I was just blind, but now I see. That don't work right there. That don't, that, that don't work right there. You got to have some Bible. So now, when we look at that, when you define your right, the Bible says, by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You have some Bible in it. But what, what, what happens is, is there's something in us that wants to earn righteousness. There's something in us that wants to be able to count our righteousness by a particular standard. But guess what I hit them back with? I say, fam, it's 613 laws. You keep all of them? Okay. I get, so they think we, do, we dumb. So I say, okay, bro. So um, when your clothes stay in the wash too long and they get a little moldy smell, do you take them outside and burn them? Excuse me for this one. When you have a seminal emission, do you follow the laws of seminal emission? 
Okay, ladies don't get mad at me. When it's some one time of the month in the family, how do you deal with them? Do you kick them out of the city for a week? Oh, I dare you to do that, bruh, so you can get your head chopped off. Because you know women, when you talk about stuff like that, they get superhuman strength. Knock your head clean off your shoulders. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, when we're saying that, what are we saying? <coughs> None of us has kept it. So when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we recognize that Christ has fulfilled the law. How did he fulfill the law? Brought it to its normal completion by loving God and loving neighbor well. When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you've accepted his fulfillment and you walk in his fulfillment without being under the covenant of the law. You're under the covenant of grace, which allows you to, to, to sanctify because God, listen, demands perfection. In the midst of your lack of perfection, because the law demands that you be perfectly perfect under Christ, he covers our imperfections, gives us room to be sanctified while we're given application for being fully righteous. <laughs> so when we look at this, this is important. Then some people become self-righteous. That's another way. Then you become legalistic. In other words, you create a micro list. Nobody call it a micro list because your list is going to always be shorter than God's list. They never make a good list, a good long list, a Santa Claus list. They make a micro list like these things. Moving towards licentiousness, sometimes what happens is, and I'm going to do a sermon on this in this series, where we're talking about the current syncretism in our society, particularly in the black, in, in, among uh, uh, millennials, rather. Um, because the, the, there's this one foot in Christianity and outside of Christianity, and it's acceptable to be a fool in your sanctification. As long as you come to church, as long as you give, and as long as you understand, you know what I'm saying, we, 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 we have this knockoff Christianity. Oh, let me see if I can make it plain. See, 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 I hate when somebody go to the basketball court, they got the right shoes on. They got the shorts is hanging nice. They got the tank top off in, on his dry fit. They got the wristbands, the headband, and they can get out there, and they look like they can play the game. Then they get on the court, and you get in the ball, they tan the game up. We got Christians, they, they got the right Bible translation. They got the right, hallelujah, they got the right children in their spine. They know how to EBB by shot, but they don't know how to walk with Jesus. <clears throat> that, 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 that ain't righteousness. So saying you are a believer by neglecting basic Christian virtues. Basic Christian virtues, family. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Refusing to judge rightly is another one. Refusing to judge rightly. And lastly, <coughs> making you think you are no longer righteous when you sin. This is what the enemy likes to do. This is what thing, he likes to, he likes to take when you sin and you're convicted by the Spirit and try to get you to write off that you're a believer, which his goal is to send you further into your unbelief and unrighteous functionality versus at that moment saying, no, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ has died on the cross. And then you put the breastplate back on by reminding yourself of who you are, and therefore, righteousness makes you repent versus retreat. Oh, that was good right there. That was good right there. Righteousness makes you repent versus retreat. Amen. Let's put up that, let's put up that first, um, that, that uh, you know what I'm talking about. The thing, uh, the, there you go. So I want to go into this section right here because there's a lot to cover in this. Y'all still with me, right? So when we look at the old self, I'm going to recommend some books. I, I remade this out of a book <clears throat> that I've been utilizing somewhat for the series. 
But one of the things that's very, very important is um, the old self, the core identity. So when we look at the idea of the breastplate being on your chest, the breastplate was put on your chest to, to actually cover up vital spots. One of the most vital spots that can get killed in a battle is the heart. Because if I hit your heart, I kill you. So what God renews spiritually is he's, your righteousness covers the heart. Now, you got to understand what heart is in the Hebrew mindset because Paul is a Hebrew, writing from a Hebrew perspective to Greeks. So what, he, what, what it is, 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 is mind, emotions, will. Mind, emotions, will is made up of that. How do I know that? Because in Ezekiel 36, it talks about God giving us a new heart. The old heart is this. Our old heart is defunct. So when you look at it, it's core corrupt. It's identity corruption. So this core identity is corrupt. It belongs to the present age of evil, and it's destined for death and wrath. That's your old identity. Okay? Now, when we look at this in there, that means you have corrupt mind. You have corrupt emotions. You have corrupt will. Your mind belongs to this present age. Your emotions belong to this present age. Your will belongs to this present age. You're destined for wrath in your mind. You're destined for wrath in your emotions, and you're destined for wrath in your own personal will. But when you trust Jesus Christ, next one, this is what happens to you. This is what happens. Now you're directed towards God now because of righteousness in Christ. Core identity. This is when you put on the breastplate and it changes. God takes the old heart out, put in a new heart. When he takes that old heart out, put a brand spanking new heart in you that, is, that now is covered in righteousness. That means your, your mind now has, <coughs> is pure and holy. It's a new creation. It belongs to the age to come. It's destined for life. It's dwelling in the spirit of God. That means your mind, emotions, and will are now not defunct. And now you're being transformed. So that's the new self. So now the question is, and I'm glad you're asking that because I can hear it spiritually. How do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Let's go down. Number one, you have to understand that God is righteous. Now, why does that matter? Because where are you going to get it from if you don't understand who has it? <laughs> Just that simple. And that, that's why the Bible says in chapter, verse 24, chapter 4 of Ephesians, that we were created in the likeness of God and righteousness. Because he has righteousness first. Now, he can have righteousness, but how does that righteousness come from God to us? Understanding that God is the source of righteousness. We read Romans 1.17. Y'all still trekking with me? But then you got to remember that righteousness is imputed to us by faith in Jesus Christ. I love this verse. So look at, look at, look at Romans um, 5.17 uh, and 18. It says, since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man. How much more will those who receive, listen, the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one one, uh, uh, righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. So we're imputed with righteousness. Imputed means he puts it inside of you. Makes you brand spanking new. (laughs) Now we go from there and we see this. 
Understand that righteousness isn't secured through your actions, but through Jesus Christ. Next. Oh, no, no, no. That, that I, was, I was about to say next. There you go. We are able to be the picture of God's righteousness to the world. It says that we are the righteousness of God. doesn't mean we're literally God's righteousness. It means you're a trophy of his righteousness on earth. So we go from there. <laughs> and then now we say, how do you use the breastplate of righteousness? How do you use it? And so we look first. Let's look down. And this whole identity, the heart of righteousness, we look at the mind of righteousness. So mind is mind, is values, emotions is affections, will is what do you do? So you have to now be renewed in your thinking. That means when you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians 4, 23. So how do we do that? Well, <laughs> when you trust Jesus as Savior... The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16 that you receive the mind of Christ. <clears throat> the issue is you have the mind of Christ, but not the information that contains the mind of Christ. So therefore, you have to be fed, you have to feed yourself <clears throat> the words of righteousness from Scripture to be renewed in those particular things so that you make good decisions well and you treat people right. So that means that... If you're, if, if you're working through job opportunities, just, you, you, you develop, what, what is your core rubric by which your life wants to be? If this job is going to have you working all the time and you're never in community, you're never at church, you're never able to grow and develop, the question you have to ask, is this a job for a season and, or, or, or is this a job that I'm doing for a lifetime and what will be the cost of me taking this particular role? <laughs> you got to ask yourself, when, you, when, you, when you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, this person that I want to marry... Do they fit a biblical value system, or do I just like them and we get along well? Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. I thought that was, but we'll make it plain. So I'm going to tell y'all right now, I like to eat bad. I do, but I haven't been. I haven't been. But I love, you know, for breakfast, I love me some scrapple, hallelujah, some eggs with cheese, three eggs, not two, three. Eggs folded properly and melted into it, hot sauce on top, amen. Some home fries with onions and peppers and properly crisp on the outside, soft and malleable on the inside, amen. <laughs> but, like say a Sunday morning, if I do that, I'll drag through three services. So, I started, I, 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 you know, I, it's, I, I, you know. <sighs> so I started looking at the effects of green smoothies and beets. I hate beets. I don't know why they were created, but I hate them. But let me tell you something. When I began looking at the effects that they have on me, it made me eat it, not because I like the taste, but because of what it did to me. So as I began eating those things, I said, I got a lot of energy. My mind is sharp and clear. Man, what ended up happening is I adjusted my taste buds to like them because of the benefits that I know that's in them and I'm not just woofing the turmeric down and the milk thistle down, but I'm 
taking in these things and seeing the effects they're having on my health, and I am saying, I'm going to dive into it. That's what you have to do with the mind of Christ. You have to value the things of the Word of God. You have to begin to have your taste buds change from the greasy mess of the, glue, the, 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 the greasy uh, McDonald's ministry of the world. Hallelujah. Next one. I'm almost done. I'm almost done and out your way. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Emotion. Righteous affections. When your values change, your affections change. Yes. <laughs> Therefore, <clears throat> you'll see something you like in the natural, but when your values change, you, you put the value system up and then your affections towards it change. Because you can see a cute, ugly person. So I got to use that because that's the only one to hit y'all. Um, you ever seen somebody cute, but they ugly? And you say to yourself, why did they open their mouth? They were beautiful till they start talking, right? <laughs> well, your affections, now, now what happens is, is as you grow spiritually in Christ and you appropriate the breastplate of righteousness and you protect your affections, you have to protect them. That's why the Bible says, God over your heart, for from it flows the issues of life. Not out there, but from in here. So, so, so when we talk about our affections, um, this begins to change. And then we begin to enjoy all the freedoms that God affords to us. And then guess what? The Christian life is not merely focusing on the can'ts, but the cans. <laughs> so now it's like, man, what can I do? Not what I can't do. You know, you know, I can't have sex. I can't go here. I can't do this. I can't. Like, what is the Christian life? If it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free, what am I free to do? So that means when you, when you begin to change your affections, God creates new ways for you to enjoy yourself. Help me today. Next one. Last one. Then, again, this happens by the Lord. <laughs> the will, that means what you do. What you do. Righteous actions. It flows right out of that. So by the, the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand, defensive and offensive weapons. And now you begin to fight well as a believer, because guess what? Now you've walked as one who's had his or her affections fully changed. I'm telling you, if you apply this stuff to your life, I'm telling you, this stuff works. Listen, in working through this, I'm like, Dad, I needed this over again. Because it's so easy for the reality of the realness of the Christian life to leak out of the life of the believer, and you forget how dope it is to be a believer. Like, like, it's a, like, I, like some of us have visions of fake grandeur. Like, we were horrible off before Jesus came into our life. We try to act like, man, I wish I was back out there where I didn't feel my sin like they do. You don't want to be there no more. And so the beauty of being a believer is now the world, the new age has been turned on for you. And now you are fighting not because merely of sin in your life, but also because you have the ability to experience more of the living God in every single area of your life. I'm done. Stand to your feet real quick. I want us to read from Bob Buford a, a, uh, a, a prayer, a breastplate prayer. 
a breastplate prayer. Together, we're going to read a prayer for each piece of the armor. And this, you can use this in your daily life. This is a prayer to, for, for, for the breastplate to be enacted on your life. <laughs> that means instead of checking who responded to your post first thing in the morning, pulling out a, 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 a prayer like this, instead of checking the YouTube, all of us are guilty of that. Let's, 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 let's pray this together. One, two, three. Yes. I look to the Holy Spirit to effect righteousness Amen. You should give him a shout of praise right there. Amen. Maybe you're here today. Every head bow, every eye closed. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.